The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. As Jesus and his disciples went on their way, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at at, at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Jesus, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Lord Jesus, protect us as you protected Mary when our aim is to sit at your feet and listen. Amen. Have you ever noticed that Jesus seems to like pushing our buttons? He does it over and over again, and today's gospel is no exception. Jesus is visiting two sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha, the responsible one, the owner of the home and presumably the eldest, is doing everything right tending to the meal, serving the food, filling the glasses. I imagine she spent hours cleaning the house that morning before Jesus arrived, and I am sure that she is the one who took the garbage out. Her sister Mary, perhaps she is the flighty one, the younger one, the less grounded one, maybe the one who was out picking flowers all morning while Martha cleaned. She is the one who is hanging out with the special visitor, while her sister multitasks in a whirlwind around their home. Martha is understandably annoyed, and so is anyone reading this who has ever felt that they were carrying too much of the load. We are especially annoyed on behalf of dear Martha when she speaks up for herself, insisting that Jesus tell Mary to lend a hand, and Jesus has the gall to tell her to leave her kid sister alone because Mary has the better part. Many of us join Martha in her indignance. Remember the story of the prodigal son? The younger son takes his portion of the inheritance, which he has the nerve to ask for before his father has even died, and he squanders it and gets himself into a major financial bind and comes home in desperation looking for a job on his father's land. The other brother has been slaving away. He is the responsible one, the future owner of the estate, the eldest. He is doing everything right, tending to his father's land and business. And when his brother returns and his father throws a party, he is irate, even though he's kind of a jerk. Some of us join him in his indignance. And what about those Pharisees? They are holy men, keeper of the law. They are the responsible ones. They are doing everything right. And as they interact with Jesus, Jesus gives them very little respect. Last week we heard Jesus tell the Pharisees a story about a Samaritan who was kinder than a priest and a Levite. 
He may as well have told us today that Catherine Jeffers Shorey and Bishop Tutu neglected to help someone in need, but George Zimmerman stopped to lend a hand. We, with the Pharisees, are indignant at this storytelling nonsense. You know, I think Jesus respected Martha and her labor, and I think Jesus has respect for elder sons and priests and Levites and Pharisees and neighborhood watchmen. Thank God we have people who try to do the right thing, who are responsible, who take on roles of service in our world. I thank God that I have an older sister who cooks all of our family meals and bakes our birthday cakes and brings pots of soup to my parents in the winter and Easter baskets to my kids in the spring. I do not hear Jesus condemning any of these roles of responsibility. I hear Jesus condemning indignance toward one another. I hear Jesus calling into question the loss of perspective that happens when our great responsibilities cause us to be marred down in self-importance. Perhaps Jesus is pushing our buttons to get us away from that all-too-tempting place of thinking that if only everyone would just act exactly like us, all would be well. That place of being so caught up in our own rightness that we neglect to see the belovedness of another, the belovedness of everyone. Martha didn't seem to have Mary's belovedness in mind when she perceived laziness in her sister rather than devotion to Jesus. The elder prodigal son didn't see belovedness in his brother. The Pharisees didn't see the belovedness of the Samaritans. George Zimmerman didn't see the belovedness of Trayvon Martin. And I am having a hard time seeing the belovedness of George Zimmerman. And Jesus is hitting us over the head, trying to call us out of indignance and into love and into the knowledge of universal belovedness. How equal and universal, though, can we be when Jesus himself is saying that Mary has a better part than Martha? Well, one possibility is that he didn't say that. Translation is tricky, and since the Greek word for better is also the word for good or best, and since there are no articles in Greek, the original transcript may well have said that Mary has a good part rather than the better part. All that aside, it is possible that Mary was actually doing something in that moment that was more important when she sat at Jesus' feet. Who knows? What we do know is that Martha was marred down by self-importance and Mary was open, listening, perhaps learning from Jesus how to see the universal belovedness of the whole earth. She was present. Martha was distracted. Both are beloved. I don't know about you, but I would rather be present and open than distracted and anxious which doesn't mean I always do that very well. But I'm grateful that Jesus is here to push our buttons and move us from indignance to love. I am grateful that we have a God who loves us that much, who loves us enough to disturb us into a wider perspective. 
Since I was about 18, I have carried a rather tattered piece of paper around in my wallet. It holds a prayer by Sir Francis Drake that speaks to the widening of our perspectives. And I think of it when I hear about Martha and Mary, because it may just be that the wider our perspectives grow, the more room there is for universal belovedness. When I read this prayer, I pray that this is the direction that Jesus is pulling us when he pushes our buttons. Here it is. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we have arrived safely because we sailed too close to shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, We have lost our thirst for the abundance of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in the efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of the land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push us into the future in strength, courage, faith, hope, and love. Amen.